Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. 22 minutes to 8 o'clock now. Personal finance and how to protect yourself from panic when markets drop. Our guest, of course, is Warren Ingram. He's a personal financial advisor and also the executive director at Galileo Capital. Hi, Warren. Good evening. Good to chat to you again. Thanks so much, Ray. It's, uh, it, it feels like we're, it's you and me on the show uh, every Thursday nowadays. I think, you know, Bruce gallivanting around the world. Now, what's that about? You know, he just cracks the, the nod to Davos and you and I sit here and, you know, discuss the world's problems. It should be the other way around. Uh, I must say I'm feeling uh, rather left out. Well, that's all right. We just want to share with him when he gets back. But one thing we will share is knowledge and how to protect yourself from panic when markets drop. And this is the big thing because markets are very volatile. I was looking at the ore share today. Lovely. It's back. It's up because the U.S. Fed is a little bit cautious now on interest rates. But tomorrow they may say, you know what, we're going to slash their, their, their rate by, say, one percentage point or something. And then we follow suit and then the markets drop and it all goes to hell. What should you do not to panic? Well, I, I, I'm glad that you're quoting the, the U.S. Fed because I think it's at the moment a lot of what's going on with the JSE is dictated by global events. And, and to a large extent, global events are dictated by, by what happens in the U.S. So, uh, you, you know, focusing on what the U.S. market does uh, will, will give us a really good indication of what's going to happen to us. Uh, and I think the first thing is when, when markets fall, it's, it's really key to have a context to what's going on. Why, why are markets falling? You, you might not know exactly, but, but if you get a good sense that this is, you know, really a global event, it's, it's not unique to South Africa, maybe not even unique to emerging markets. It's, it's something that's, that's been driven globally. It's important to, to get a, a sense of, you, you know, are we in kind of a spring tide? You know, is this kind of like one of those major once in a 200 year events? Uh, because once you've got some kind of context to how big uh, the, the fall is and, and potentially how, how, how much pain you're going to go through, you also have a sense of what recovery, recovery will look like. Uh, so I thought it was interesting just to give you an idea, Ray, of what happens to, to the U.S. market when it falls. And, uh, you know, important to kind of just re- remember that the U.S. market falls by about 10% every two years so kind of every second year the, the, the u.s market has a has a drop of 10 percent when that happens uh you, you know you and i will be talking about quite a big drop in the markets and yeah. you know investors are losing out that they're getting a little bit fearful etc because you know 10 percent is a is a big number you know you've, you, you've got a million rand invested so suddenly you know you, you see it sitting at nine hundred thousand rand it's it's a number a number that will scare a lot of people mm. but uh, that's not where we are. Where we are now is that, uh, you know, the U.S. market is, you know, as you say, depending on the day, it's pr- probably down about 20 percent. Uh, n- now, the, the U.S. market falls by about 30 percent every four to five years. So so when we talk about the long term in, in stock markets, we generally will talk about a time frame of kind of five to eight years. So so what you would say to someone in that situation is, if I tell you, I think you will make very good returns from the stock market as a whole over a five to eight year period, implicit in that is that you are going to experience a loss of 30% in one of those years out of the next five to eight years, and maybe even two drops of 30% over an eight-year period. And and I'm crazy enough to tell you that that will still be, you'll still get the good returns of, of investing in the stock market. So I think it's important to say, I'm not I'm not predicting yeah. how much the, the, the US market's going to fall and therefore how much it's going to drop the JSE. What I'm saying is a fall of 20% is normal.
This this happens okay. every few years, uh, and and if that's normal, and, and th- then then this is by no means the end of the world. No matter what we're reading in the media, no, no matter what the talking heads are saying, we we've seen this th- this kind of a movie many 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 times before, and, and therefore we know what happens. What what will happen is when the when the kind of uh, prognosticators will out there will you know especially fund managers and and you know investment strategists and economists start saying you know gee almost universally start saying you know we, we expect major recession we expect that this could be a multi-decade low and you know investors should really not expect any kind of growth from their investments for the next 10 15 years when they're all universally gloomy you should start to spar you should start to say to yourself this this stage of market collapse has it even has a name. It happens so often; it's got a name. Yeah, it's called capitulation, right? Okay. Uh, and and I don't think we're there yet. You know, people haven't kind of given up completely on on, on investing uh, um, as a whole, but but they are starting to get increasingly panicky, and and more and more people getting more and more gloomy. Uh, and for me, I'm watching this, and I'm saying to myself, okay, uh, I, I think we're we're getting close. We're we're getting close to capitulation point. Uh, as an investor, if I'm looking at this, I, I, I take the, the view to zoom out. I don't, I don't look at what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I don't look at what's going to happen in two or three weeks' time because the reality is neither you nor I nor anybody in Davos knows exactly what's going to happen in the next few hours or few days or few weeks. We can we can speculate, but we don't actually know. So so it's important to zoom out and say what's going to happen over five years from now, what's going to happen over 10 years from now? You know, the money I'm investing, can I afford to leave it invested for that long period of time? Because if I can, what I should be doing is I should be taking any cash I've got, feeding it into the investment markets over the next sort of three to six months and, and buy the shares, especially quality shares, quality indices yeah, that yeah. everyone else is selling now because they're panicking and I'm going to make good money out of their panic. I, I'm, I'm, I would hope they don't panic, but unfortunately they, they, they panic so regularly that we give it a name, a capitulation, don't forget. Yeah. Uh, and and so, so, sorry, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm saying, yeah, I'm listening to you. This is just very interesting, capitulation. But then, okay, so what happens next? Because this is going down, down, down. What goes down has to come up. Exactly right. So, 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 uh, what what we're experiencing is the reestablishment of financial gravity. And to me, financial gravity looks like. Uh, inflation that, that that we have some form of inflation around the world, and, and more especially, more more critically, that we see that uh, places like the U.S., especially Europe, actually charge interest to to people who need to borrow money, and those that actually that can that can store money on deposit, that they actually earn interest. Because surprise, surprise, that really really hasn't been the case at least since the the, the year two thousand and eight, and and certainly. For, for most uh, professional investors in the US or, or in Europe, they don't even know what inflation looks like unless they're older than 45. So we're in an environment now where, where South African investors are looking at this and saying, gee, we understand this incredibly well. We know what inflation is. We know what it is to pay high levels of interest on debt, and we know what it is to earn interest on debt. So so now that financial gravity is reestablishing itself, it's it's important to take your point, Ray, which is mm. if things go up forever, they'll come down. And equally, if things go down for a period of time, they'll turn and start going up again. So so to answer your question, uh, I'm, I'm, I hate to waffle, but, but to answer mm-hmm. your question, I, I think uh, – we, we we see markets staying low for a while. I, I don't know what what a while is. Maybe maybe till the end of the year. Yeah. And and once the once investors around the world have got a grip on what inflation looks like in the U.S. and 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 in Europe, 
then they'll know what the central banks are going to do. At some point, the Fed will stop raising interest rates. And, and I think maybe, you know, you know, they, the, the markets got a little bit excited, uh, you know, today and, and, and Americans, you know, last night and today again, thinking yeah. that they know that maybe, in, you know, inflation isn't going to be as scary as they thought. And therefore, interest rates won't go up as much as they thought. Who knows what happens tomorrow? But once the markets get a grip on this, then they'll start to price in a recovery. They'll start to price in that the world's not going to end, and, yeah. and surprise, surprise, business will carry on and things will go up again. And and by then, once they start to do that, you need to be fully invested because markets will recover really quickly. Uh, and sitting on the sidelines and waiting for the news headlines to get better and for the prognosticators to tell us that the world's turned and everything's going to be rosy and mm. sunny again, by the time that happens, the savvy investors who've been invested have started to make good money again. And I, and I think that that's the cycle you want to break if you're an investor. You don't want to be part of this herd behavior that continuously repeats the same mistakes, you know, market cycle after market cycle. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you can't be part of that name, you know, the, the, the recovery after the capitulation. You know, it's, it's just silly to, to kind of keep falling prey to that emotional response. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't understand it. It's human nature to be emotional when you see, you know, your million rand suddenly become 700,000 rand and there's some guy on the radio who says, don't worry about it, everything's <laughs> going to be great. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the mm. emotion attached to this, but the point is, you know, humans are individually rather intelligent, but the moment you put lots and lots of human beings together in bigger and bigger crowds, unfortunately, they become less yeah. and less intelligent as a collective. You see, and the biggest collective yeah. are investment markets. You see, it's because we get into that herd mentality, and that's the big problem, right? Our guest tonight, Warren Ingram, our personal financial advisor, also executive director at Galileo Capital. I want to chat to Warren shortly. You can take a break now, but shortly about what happens if, say, for instance, the Fed gets it wrong. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Right, Warren, talking about how to protect yourself from panic when the markets drop. But what happens if the Fed goes up and goes down? And they do this sometimes. One minute you have Jerome Powell saying, oh, you know what, hold on a second, interest rates are, we need to increase them. And then all of a sudden today you go, well, maybe not. Doesn't this get a little bit of higgledy-piggledy? You don't quite know, don't quite know what you're doing. Um, I, I hope they know what they're doing, Ray, because I think, um, you know, the, the real concern they have is, is this beast called inflation, you know, and, and it's, and inflation is like that snowball that, that goes down the hill. Uh, you know, it's very hard to stop once it gets a certain size and, and, and a certain momentum. So the danger will be that, that they increase interest rates too fast. Um, in their attempt to control inflation, what they end up doing is putting the whole U.S. economy into recession, uh, and and then you get the, the the situation where you might have rising prices, in other words, you know, high inflation, more people losing their jobs, and 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 companies struggling to to grow. It it is a possibility. I, I think that that it's important to remember. The U.S. Central Bank, the U.S. Fed, has a, a, a dual mandate, which makes them very rare in, in the world of central banks. You know, for example, in South Africa, the, the central bank here only focuses on inflation. But the U.S. central bankers, they have two mandates. They must focus on inflation and they must focus on employment in, in the U.S. So they, they will be also very careful not to take such drastic action controlling inflation that they suddenly cause employment to, to start declining. In other words, employ, unemployment to start rising. So, so it's impossible to be, you know, perfect and accurate with, with these things. But I think 
they, they are so careful at the moment of forecasting far ahead as to what they're thinking, how they want to raise interest rates, that they're trying their best not to shock the market in any way and to, to give the market as much time as possible to absorb the news of rising rates and, and therefore, uh, you, you know, allow the market to, to make, to make sort of more rational decisions because they've got more time. But I think if the Fed gets to, to a situation where they realize inflation has turned the corner, in other words, it's starting to go down and it's going down faster than they anticipate, I think the Fed will be very quick to signal to markets that they're going to stop raising rates uh, before they start to signal that they will start to decline rates. But that signal to the market that, hey, we, we, we've stopped raising interest rates, in fact, that last half a percent or quarter percent, whatever it is that they were, that we were forecasting we would do in two months' time. We're not doing that. I think markets will take that news really positively, Ray, and I think it will actually cause quite a big upturn in markets again. So yeah. so I'm, I'm not too concerned about them stopping uh, you know, interest rate hikes. What, what I'm very concerned about is that they, they, they have to raise them for you know, more for longer because they can't control inflation. Sure. That, that, that's really the thing I would be focusing on. Right, I've got a, a listener's question here for you, and I love throwing these at you. It says, here, good day, sir or madam. We can call us sirs. My name is Lawrence. I'm a big fan of Warren's books. You've got a fan. I feel like they are the most understandable and executable pieces of financial advice I've come across. Thank you, Warren, for what you do. It's very nice. I'm a fan of Warren Buffett as well, and I know you are, Warren, uh, and would like to invest in Berkshire Hathaway. I see I can buy equities on easy equities in dollars, which is not as affordable as the ETNs in rands. My questions are, what are ETNs and how do they compare with ETFs in terms of risks and attractiveness? And that's from Lawrence. That's, uh, th- thanks, Lawrence. It's, I really appreciate the, the compliments. It's nice to, ha- to now have a fan. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> So, so uh, um, very quickly, because I can I can talk about this for years, and, and I know we've got limited time. Uh, firstly, just the difference between an exchange traded fund, an ETF, and an exchange traded note, uh, ETN. So, an exchange traded fund is is very similar to Unitrust, and and that means that w- when you buy an exchange traded fund, you are buying. Let, let's say you buy an exchange traded fund on the on the the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, where that rep- represents the top forty index. What you what you really are buying. Is, is physical assets. In other words, cash is going into fund. That, that cash is being used to buy the top 40 shares on the JSE, the same 40 shares that are, that, that are represented in the top 40 index. So you're actually a part owner of a physical portfolio of shares. So, so your risk in an exchange traded fund is, is simply stock market risk, whether those shares collectively go up or down or sideways or do they pay dividends or don't they? But, but you've got very little other risk other than stock market risk. With an exchange traded note, it's, it's rather a different beast. An exchange traded note is, is an investment that's issued by a bank. And what they do is the bank says, if you, if you buy this note, we're going to give you the performance of the index. So, so your risk there is firstly the, the stock market risk. Will, will that index go up or down? But secondly, you're, you're actually giving your money to the bank and you're taking the risk that that bank is still going to be around. In other words, you're taking the credit risk of the bank because the bank's not going to go and physically buy those assets and hold them for you. They're going to go and use that money to buy derivatives and 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 certain bonds and other instruments to to give you the performance of that index. But but if that bank goes bankrupt, you will lose the money of that exchange traded note. So 
you know, pe- people like exchange traded notes because they often are used to, to track, you know, things like commodities or a rand dollar exchange rate or something. So it's a l- little bit harder for mm. private investors to go and buy, you know, a whole chunk of gold somewhere. So, so they buy, they like buying the ETN on that. But just remember it, you do take the credit risk of the bank that issues those things to you. Uh, is it yeah. better to buy Berkshire Hathaway or, or an ETN on, on Berkshire Hathaway? For, for me, I always prefer to, to own the physical share as opposed to the ETN. So, so personally, it's, and I, I guess it is a personal choice. I would rather own my Berkshire Hathaway shares than, than an ETN on Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, also because I get the benefit of an invitation to go and listen to Mr. Buffett and, and, uh, uh, and his partner, Charlie Munger every year in Omaha, if I'm a shareholder. Yeah. So, so I like that, 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 that deal as well. So, so I would buy the Berkshire Hathaways is my short answer. That really is really good sound advice. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. Good to chat you once again on The Money Show. I'm sure I will chat you again next Thursday. Thanks so much, Ray. It's great to chat.